Today's Real Talk, Justin Kazepis. Happy day to you, fam. What is going on with all these tree requirements? Why, why do we have to have so many trees for everything? If you want to plant a tree, plant a tree. Do it. I like trees. I don't have a problem with trees. But should everybody be forced to plant a million trees? 100% tree replacement requirements. What is happening? I thought, I thought when I bought the land, I could do with it what I want. I thought that was the whole point. That's what the developers say, too, when they buy it. Like, hey, we bought it. Or the farmer buys it, I buy it. Could you imagine in the 1800s going and telling somebody, hey, you cut down that tree, you better replace it. What'd you say to me? I'll go full Yellowstone on you. That's what probably happened to a lot of people. And so now it's just these tree lovers just coming back years later after there's some law and order. No, let's put some regulations on the books. 100% tree replacement. That's how much we care about trees more than we care about people. That's what we care about. It's what it feels like sometimes. 844 Studio 4. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe trees are the best thing since sliced bread. They're beautiful. There's many, many kinds. Funny thing is that there's a, there's, there's a couple of legislators here in North Carolina that only want to make particular types of trees the recommended tree. And especially if you're talking about using government dollars, that you have to plant only particular types of trees. Pretty funny. Like if I wanted a Bradford pear, maybe I won't be allowed to get it. Maybe trees should be illegal. They're stinky. They definitely stink. And that's affecting my ability to live my life. Yet due to regulation, 100% tree replacement. And you don't want to be spiteful. You don't, you don't want to go back and say, hey, wait a second, wait a second. If I've got to replace this, I'm doing straight thorn bushes. That's it. Because I don't want anybody coming close. And so if I've got to do a tree replacement, I'm going to do mature thorns. Roses are red. They're beautiful. But they will stab you in the face. That's pretty, I'm pretty sure that's how the saying goes. I, look, it's worth a conversation. What should we require and what shouldn't we have people? What about parking in the rear? Parking in the rear is also a, a big conversation. Off-street parking. You better hide your cars. Hide your cars, hide your wives. Get them off the street. Put them to the back. Okay. I get it. But with the increased regulation, we wonder why there's more cost. You can't wonder why there's more cost. Read it on paper. For every extra cubic feet of concrete that has to be poured, what do you think's going to happen? The cost is going to go up. Every time a shovel has to hit the dirt, every time a new product has to be used, every time extra specialty labor comes out to a property, the price goes up. Do your regulators care about affordable housing? Here's how you'll know. How much regulation are they putting on the table as it relates to building code? The more regulation, the less they care about affordable housing. Fact. Mathematical fact. The more work that has to be done on a property, the more it costs. And how are you going to pay for it? 
I keep going back to that. How are you going to pay for this stuff? I'm all for it, but how do you pay for it? Well, we're going to give subsidies. Okay, so you're going to take tax dollars from people, give it to somebody else who has applied based on some kind of application, and give it to them based on some type of qualification. But why is that the right way? Why? I, I, I get helping people. I'm not talking about not helping people. But I'm asking a question. Why is using tax dollars to pay for other people to buy housing okay? Why do we accept it? Morally, we accept it. It's a good thing to do. But how do, we, how do we know that the checks and balances are there as far as who is applying for the dollars and who's using it? There's income thresholds. That's a positive. You want people who maybe can't afford it due to an income, lack of income. But there are people that work the system. And, and you hope that those are few and far between. You hope people can come into an area and afford a particular area. You want that. That's a good thing. You want more people in a particular area that's good that help promote the area to be even better. But we have to have an honest conversation as it relates to affordable housing. There's experts out there that'll say, well, we have to build more in order to eventually catch up. I don't disagree with that from a pure numbers perspective. We do have to build more in order to catch up. There is not enough supply based on the demand right now. There's not. That's why prices keep going up. But at what point do you get enough? At what point do you say, does a town say, does a city say, does a municipality say, we don't want any more people moving here. We are capping our residential population. And this is it. X. Some towns you're getting to a point you may see that. Take the town of Cornelius, for example. I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next one year, five year, maybe even 10 years. There's, there's some rural farmland available for development. There will be teardowns in particular districts that then convert into residential units. It will happen. And the number of units will increase for some time. But as far as a town who municipality has almost reached its capacity of residential development, next closest one, Davidson. Davidson and Cornelius probably are the two. Davidson's probably farther along, actually, if I think about it. There, there's very little space remaining in order to increase the number of units. And as long as the number of units, the supply is capped, while the demand continues to increase, price go up. That's all that's going to happen. It's just going to get more expensive. So how do we solve the issue? Well, we've got to be willing to develop other areas. And we're seeing that now. You go north to Statesville, once you hit, you hit Troutman, you, you go north of Mooresville, go, go north of 150. Them trucks are rolling. People are coming. Jobs are coming. Developers are coming. Never seen so many concrete trucks on one, on one particular parcel. You're driving up, you see the, the 77 Industrial Park that's going up there on the uh, east side of 77, right there. It's, it's massive. It is massive. You're driving north on 77, you see it. So they're coming. People are coming. And, and you got to remember, when you see that project going vertical, that didn't happen overnight. That's not like they came here yesterday and said, yep, here's the spot. Bring in the trucks. You're talking about these people have been planning for years, years to go vertical. You got to go through the entitlement process. 
Because when a seller who owns a raw piece of dirt, this particular, this farmland, which these families are cashing out on, I don't blame them. Two, three, four generations later, well, great Pappy Pap said I could sell it. That's what I'm doing today. And they got a, it's a process. Not to mention the months of negotiation of the contract alone with these developers, because they got 15 attorneys being paid hourly. And then you got to go through the entitlement process. Let's talk about that entitlement process. When we come back, we're going to talk about entitlements. We're going to talk about zoning as it relates to the rights of a particular property. And if you were to rezone, generally speaking, each, each individual district is different, but we'll go through some of it. Some of the things that will be required in order to develop a property. And somebody, somebody do some math along the way. Somebody keep up with the dollars because every time I say something that, that has to be done, you can go and add more money to the pot of what it costs. And the developer's not going to give it away for free. It's going to go to the consumer. And that's how it goes. Today's Real Talk, 844-STUDIO-4. Appreciate you uh, listening. WSICnews.com, you want the most local real estate? That's where you go. WSICnews.com, just click real estate. We're going to look at some of those market reports in a little bit too. Stick with us. Today's Real Talk, Justin Gazepis. The process of entitlements on a property. Raw piece of dirt, developer comes along, I like it. Seller, let's make a deal. Let's negotiate a contract, let's set a price, let's set the terms, and let's get going. I'm ready to put shovels in the ground tomorrow. Seller, if you're smart, you say to the developer, whoa, I'm excited for you, but you're not going to be able to put shovels in the ground anytime soon because you got to go through a process. You got to go to the local zoning jurisdiction and you have to get approval to do what you want. What? Somebody can tell me what I can do with my land? Yes. They can actually tell you a lot. There's a lot of rules. You're probably going to have to do 100% tree replacement. What? That's usually what, what they say. That is just crazy. Yeah, and parking's got to go in the rear. What? That's just how it goes. I'm sorry. By the way, you probably won't be able to use that exterior facade that you really like. What? Yeah. There's that many rules. The spacing of lines, the, the depth of everything, the, the height, all of it. Okay, so let's talk about the generic process because it is going to vary municipality to municipality. And it's also going to vary depending on the current zoning as compared to the zoning the developer would like to have the property switched to. Because some properties that are already zoned commercial well, then you're just going through a plan review process as far as does the project being submitted, though it is allowable under the zoning and use rules, does it fit the UDO, the Unified Development Ordinance Standards, as it relates to specific requirements? For example, trees. For example, width of parking spaces. For example, the exterior facade of the property. For example, the setback lines. 
For example, what's the occupancy you are searching for? So it, it, these, all of these things come into play whenever a developer comes along with a piece of dirt that they like and they want to develop it. And all of these things have cost. Here is the number one holdup with any development project right now. Number one, traffic. What is the traffic impact of this property should you be allowed to do with it what you want? How will the amount of vehicles, the congestion you will cause, affect the current traffic patterns of our roads? It's a loaded question. We already know it's going to increase it. You want it to. If it wasn't going to increase the traffic, you wouldn't develop it. You're going to develop a property that nobody comes to? I'm going to spend $20 million to develop this property, and my goal, nobody comes. Zero cars, no impact. That's our goal. Unless you're just Elon Musk just giving away them X dollars for no reason whatsoever, that model doesn't work. Or Google, who just has more cash than anybody can even count or keep up with, and they just got to spend it to spend it, okay. But they wouldn't develop the dirt, right? You'd buy it, you'd put it in a conservation. I, I, I'm in jest right now. But the point is, is that it takes a process. And that process costs money. Thousands upon thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the project itself. Have you heard of an engineer? Have you heard of an architect? Certain processes as it relates to entitlements, seeking rezoning, require particular stamped by an engineer, basically certified by an engineer plans that are such a percentage complete, 90%, 75%, 50%. So, so much testing and work has to go into the development process before the project is even approved. So we're looking at developers spending hundreds of thousands of dollars with a ready, willing, and able seller who wants to sell their land to a developer before it is even determined whether or not the project will be allowed. You see, there's a big difference in residential and commercial. In residential, we have what's called a due diligence fee in North Carolina. It's, very, it's common. It's part of the uh, standardized offer to purchasing contract that a realtor will use as part of the process. Basically, a buyer pays the seller a fee for the time the property is under contract and not allowed to go under contract with another buyer. Commercial, wild, wild west. Everything's negotiated. Not that you can't negotiate it on a residential, but you find a residential broker who will step out of the line of the norm of the cattle call that is, rarity. And in that scenario, they're more likely a commercial broker. But commercial brokers, it's all negotiated. Most of the time, the developer who's buying the property will put a deposit down, but it is refundable up until typically a particular date or specific trigger. For example, getting authorization by the local zoning jurisdiction in order to build a particular project. Most of the time, you see it based on time. 
with exceptions included. Complicated process, negotiated hours and hours of negotiation, hours and hours of attorneys, all charging by the hour. And once a contract is there, then the plan process can begin. Engineers, architects, we've talked about. What about soil engineers? What about determining how much weight can be put on a particular piece of dirt? What type of foundation is required on a particular property to build the property to the specified use? You go into the city and you see all these underground parking decks, a lot of concrete. You know that these foundations are millions upon millions of dollars each for each of these properties. I mean, you're going to have to put rebar. You're going to have to pour concrete. You're going to have some type of pillar system. Not to mention that when you go vertical, all the concrete and rebar, you've seen the price of steel? You've seen the price of concrete? <clears throat> I mean, sure, timber's gone down. Look, timber's gone down. I got gotcha. you. Your stick-built residential, your cost is coming down a little bit. Now, your labor's gone up, so I don't even know really if the cost of new construction's coming down at all. Funny money on paper, it's the same. But if you look at commercial, it's up only. And you couple that with the cost of dirt. Because it's scarce. God's not making any more dirt right now. I don't know if you've noticed it. There ain't more dirt piling into the earth right now. It's not happening. So if you want to be in a particular zip code, you want to be in a particular county, you want to be in a particular district, school district, you're going to pay a premium. And that's not going to go away based on the demand. I've said it before. I don't like having to say it because it feels wrong. But there's only one way price goes down. And that's if jobs start getting lost. Because that's the only way you could curtail the demand. People want to live here. It's your fault. You've made it great. But with everybody wanting to move here, there's no way that we can ever catch up on supply. I don't think we can. And that's, look, and that's, that's me coming from a place of saying this is a good problem to have. I would rather be in a municipality, a county, a state, that is thriving as compared to one that's dying. Because those are your two options. There's no middle ground. You're either thriving or you're dying. Which do you want to be on? And yeah, we can talk culturally about the differences of people moving here. Absolutely, there's a lot of different cultures. And when you blend it all together, there's going to be missteps, there's going to be mistakes, there's going to be hurt feelings. I get it. I get it. But at the same time, the thousands upon thousands of people that are moving here each year now, they aren't reading and seeing every single day the ins and outs of your life of what it's like driving on your streets. They just see and hear what's so great about it. And you're what's great about it. That's what they see. You think people from California or New York care about sitting in traffic for 12 minutes? You think that bothers them? Try driving down any major thoroughfare in another major state with more in increased population than we have, and, and it's gridlock. It's absolute gridlock. Most of our towns are a couple of roads. Charlotte's a different animal. It depends on the neighborhood you're in. Even the individual neighborhoods of Charlotte, though, if you really break it down, are only a few roads each. 
Our square mileage cover our square mileage coverage is is not astronomical. On the south side of the city, though, on South End, I'm seeing I'm seeing them high rises come up. There's cranes. Oh, I'm seeing them cranes go vertical. When you're seeing when you're seeing ten story plus buildings on the outskirts, again, that's years in the making. You know, you have to have a permit for a crane. You got to have a permit for a crane. You think that happened overnight? These companies and these developers have been watching Charlotte, the Lake Norman area, North Iredale, the I-40 corridor. They've been watching it for years. We weren't even ready for this. They, they picked us. They chose us. No. They chose a great place to be. And I like a new food spot. I like a new place to try couple of good spots for uh, Korean barbecue. I'm really enjoying these days. Love me some good Korean barbecue. We will never cut gas grills in North Carolina. You won't find that here. Absolutely not. There's how you get anarchy in the streets right there. Today's Real Talk coming back. Today's Real Talk. Justin Kazepis. Hope's on the phone, and, and she, she's she got a thought on the trees. Hope, I, I didn't mean to upset the trees. I'm not hating on trees. I like trees. What you got for me today? You know, at first I was getting a little disgruntled, but I'm like, you know, I just hit him out, and you painted the whole picture, okay? And, you know, what we have to understand is that the developers are doing what they're doing, but the people that live next to the development are having complete and total micro environment changes and it's all kinds of things are happening. Big changes, big changes. Absolutely. Never gets hardly, hardly gets spoken for because I mean, I don't mind, you know, it's live and let live, you know, have your American dream. Just don't crap out a bunch of nightmares on other people along the way. But when it comes to the trees, hundred degree indexes and you've got people moving in, you do have to replace the trees. I never really got to grow up with many trees in California, but here I've got trees and I'm like the last woman who, you know, sanctioned pin oaks in front. And I'm so glad I have them because I've been able to not use my air conditioner for two years. But Hope, you, you know? can have all the trees yeah. you want. Have I want you to have a forest and I like forests. I like trees. I have, I allow mine to grow big in my yard. I actually, it's a big point of contention in the house. Demi wants me to trim them back. I say, absolutely not. I want to live in the, the far forest of Narnia. Uh, it's a whole big thing. But when we're talking about a neighboring parcel being required to replace trees, have we overstepped our bounds for a zoning department to require somebody to keep trees. Well, it's hard to say because I'm an example of that. Because right across the street from me, I had a stand of trees and then like kind of open and then another stand of trees, which is still there. And then the train tracks. Okay. Those trees in the front that were along the street are gone now. And I'm lucky to be alive because it's constant street dust, constant this and constant that. And I, you know, kind of blocked it off the best I can while they finish what they are developing. Okay. And I just know that I feel darn flat lucky to be alive. Is it residential across from you or commercial? Where do they build and help, help me out there? Uh, you can be, you can be either, well, cross me is going to be commercial, okay? 
and uh and now i've got a new heat index i've got all kinds of things and and each day because they have to go through their processes i'm like i walk out my front door and i've had to change my innards you know what's my house to me or what's this to me so many times that i'm just doing my best to be patient until it's done and then i will make improvements yeah. You know, it serves me no purpose to do anything good to my house right now because it's going to get dusty and ruined. Let me ask you, Hope, if I can, if it's you too know, personal, you can tell me. Do you own your house or do you rent? Yeah, I own. Okay. So here's the advantage. The owner. I'm the third owner. Um, here's the advantage. If it's commercial going in across the street from you, assuming it's going to be a good business, your home value is going to go up. How does that make you feel? I get that too. No, it makes me feel Okay. Um, but for right now, while they're doing their stuff, I'm not going to sit here and try and do any improvements. I'm just not because it's getting ruined. Yeah, I don't blame the you for that. Thing, I've, I've got temporary stuff up, and the lucky thing about temporary is when the storm comes through, I put it back up, and I don't have to pay anybody, and nothing's broken because it's barely up there anyway. I'm just trying to block the atmosphere until I know how it's going to settle. Is it a big, you know, what kind of commercial part, building I mean, is it? Are they doing like a hotel? Is it industrial? Do you know? No, no, it's very small. It's just a couple, three lots across the street. And I hear he plans to make a car lot, mm. you know? And so, and, and, you know, and I happen to be some insensitive electromagnetics. And so I'm learning all this different stuff. And there's just so much going on that shouldn't be mentioned because I don't know enough about it to really say, I just know what I'm feeling and what I'm, learning to live through because it's coming. But my point is, is that having been through it, like you mentioned, California and New York, those people have been through it. They're trying to get away from it, but they're not coming with a solution. We have the opportunity here right now to have this be something that we all make happen versus it being something that happens to us. And I believe that's what you're working on. You're helping people. So, I mean, it's a tough one, you know? It's just really tough. We're living in times which give us the opportunity to behave like the goodness we pray for, you know, or we're all talking out our rears. Hope, and I'm just I glad just that you're I, willing I to have a conversation, right? Because you and I may we have may have different points about it, but here's the other problem that we're seeing these days is most people aren't willing to have a reasonable conversation. So how do we get back to that? I know. Right? Well, you know, that comes my other quote, left wing, right wing. It takes both to fly this bird, and if you kill the middle, neither's going to work. So we have to realize that so we're not the laughing stock to the rest of the world that is Americans that are bashing on each other. We need to celebrate our wins and keep on trudging away. What is a patriot? It's a pat riot. What's a pat riot? Getting your point across without hurting anybody. There you, you go. Know? Words of wisdom. It's a tough one. Anyhow, thanks for your time. Everyone, we're going to get through this, but we have to be just nice to each other. And like you say, keep waving. When I first moved here, I tell people now, keep waving. Don't drive faster because someone's making you, you know, and if someone offers you money for your property, you double their their, their offer. There you go. Buy it. Period. That's Hope's mantra. Just buy it. Buy it from them instead. Keep all the trees. Hope, we appreciate you. I am sure we will talk again soon. I hope you have a great rest of your day and rest of the week if I don't catch you before then. Most certainly, and thank you for what you guys are putting out there. Yes, ma'am. All right, there you go. Hope, hope coming it. through with the wisdom as she normally does, and I appreciate that about Hope. I appreciate her willingness to have a conversation. I think that's one of the big things that we can all take from the page. Be willing to have a conversation. I get for a lot of people, it's get in the castle, shut the door. I get it. It's a good place to be. But if you're going to claim that every single property is your castle, buy it. If you're going to claim that your neighbor's property is part of your castle, 
and your happiness, then buy it. Because at the same time, if you object to them selling their property to someone who wants to develop it, which will help improve many aspects of life for many people, then maybe you shouldn't be allowed to sell your property at the end. What if we did that? The little tally system. I object, you object. Just go back and forth. All right, put your name on the list. You can object now. And when you're ready to sell, we're not going to let you because you objected. What say you? What is that process? Does that sound fair? I mean, how do we create fairness in this too? How do we create fairness? Should it be the one adjacent neighborhood has 100% say of what happens to a particular project? The one neighborhood? 0.1% of population? They control. They're the adjacent property. You better go convince them neighbors. You better convince your neighbors. Because the other 99.9% .9 of the population, we don't care. Doesn't matter. They don't live next door. What we care about is the closest proximity. One neighborhood and one neighborhood only. I make light of it. And look, I, yeah, I'm, I'm poking. I'm poking right now. You can say I'm poking and I would accept that. But that's the practical reality. That's what we're seeing. Because the 99% of people don't care. 99% of people are going to live their life. Oh, shoot, did you see that new thing coming in down the street? Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. I think I might try it next weekend. That's the conversation that's happening. Oh my gosh, another development. I can't do it anymore. Like, that's just people that are already cranky being cranky some more. People who already just are not fun to be around, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about right now. Don't act like there aren't those people that you have to interact with on a day-to-day -day basis that when you get near them, you're like, oh, here, here he comes again. Here she comes. What do you think's wrong today? I don't know. Let's find out. Hey, how you doing? Terrible. Just terrible. Everything's gone bad. No hope. And here's how you fix it. And I've told you this too. All right, let's take a random selfie together. There. We broke the chains of oppression. We're breaking the chains of disparagement. We're providing hope. Because we took a random selfie with somebody. And it's got to be somebody you don't know. Don't be doing it with somebody that you already know who you know is in a cranky mood because of some particular exact scenario that they already talked to you about on the phone three hours a night before. Don't do that. I'm talking about you never seen this person's face before. You'd be okay if you never saw their face again. But you're going to see their face again because you're going to take a random selfie and document it. And then you can go tell your friends you did a good deed today. That's how it works. Today's Real Talk, 844-STUDIO-4. Any other thoughts? I'm, I, I'm alone in my thoughts. This is how it goes. Now, a lot of people like to talk positively off-air. Let's see if we can get some more talking on-air. 844-STUDIO-4. Today's Real Talk. Coming back. Today's Real Talk, Justin Kazepis. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I went too far with the trees. Should we start naming them? Is that what we do? We, they just become pets? Is that better? Do I need to shift my mindset? Am I wrong? Probably. What about every grain of concrete? How many, how many grains of sand are in every cubic yard of concrete? That sand's got to come from somewhere. There's a, there's, it's a big number. It's too big for me to even count. 
It's a big number. And, and then there's other factors. You know, it's interesting because a lot of these nonprofits that are trying to develop, I'm on a board of a nonprofit. We're doing some development for affordable housing. Uh, women and children's transitional homeless shelter leading to affordable housing. And if you want federal dollars for your projects, you have to do these insane environmental studies. I mean, the strings that get attached to if you're using public money in order to develop a project knocks out every small, local, individual player who just wants to help their local community completely takes them out of the running from helping. Because again, they, they can't do it for free either. They, gotta, they have to be able to pay their people, pay for supplies, and the time they're spending, okay, maybe they didn't make 100% of the revenue that they thought they would, but hey, even 50% of the revenue, is that okay? They're doing it at a discount. But the environmental regulations on this stuff too is just wow. Certain dollars you have to like allow a full cycle of, of environment, meaning like the flowering process of flowers, animals coming and going. You literally have to wait one year and observe to determine whether or not a particular property meets the environmental standards for receiving public dollars. So for every project you see that's using public dollars, add an extra year on top of the normal development, add a minimum to the timeline of how long it's taken to develop. This is why I am confident in saying, and if Caesars had, had a bet on this, I would take this bet. We will never catch up on housing supply. We will never. There is too much regulation in order to do it. I'm not saying regulation is always bad. I, I'm just saying there's too much regulation in order to catch up on the supply issue. So what's another solution? Do we care? Here's the, here's the part of the conversation that is now being neglected. Do we care? What about just let the free market ride and see what happens? What happens? Will it work itself out? We tout the economy and things that working itself out in every other sector. Survival of the fittest. Why can't that work in housing? Because we know what the effect is going to be. We're going to see these pockets of beautiful neighborhoods, tree-lined streets, parks, and then we're going to just see devastated communities. Because not everybody cares about the house they live in. Some people just don't care. You know, there's certain things in life like that don't bother you. Like, okay, at the house, I'm the dirty one. She's the messy one. There's some people that just are both dirty and messy and don't care. Some of those people own houses too. That's the crazy part. Some of the people own the property and they don't care. Some of them rent the property. Hence why... <laughs> Hence why rents go up and landlords are glad to accept higher paying rents. Because typically the more money, the more skin in the game you put, the more care and attention you're going to put into it. It's just common sense. I'm not saying it's 100% correlation every time. But it probably works 60% of the time, 100% of the time. Something like that. And so if, you, if you're going to think about, okay, how do we get people to care? Because if more people cared, maybe that moves the needle. 
What do we care about? Do we care about affordable housing? Does an, does an individual municipality whose average home price on a listing is north of 500000 how do you say you care about affordable housing? In, in fact, how, instead of this, how do you show you care about affordable housing? We can say the word affordable housing all day. I don't even like that word anymore. It's political rhetoric at this point. Because what's affordable to you isn't affordable to me or vice versa. And, and so that, that's where we're coming at, too, is different perspectives of people's backgrounds, people's mottos, people's creeds. And that's okay. We blend all together. It's fantastic. But if we're going to use this term of affordable housing, what does that mean? You can't define it. That's my biggest issue. We've got to be able to quantify. If we're talking about moving the needle on housing as it relates to price, as it relates to number of units, as it relates to reducing homelessness, as it relates to improving sustainability, you've got to be able to quantify it. And here's something we've got to accept. It's not going to happen overnight. The actions we're taking now are for 10 years down the road, minimum. Minimum. You can't look at the market today and think it will be the same or fixed in any short-term period of time. To be honest with you, 10 years isn't enough. I'm thinking of when my kids are grown and they have kids. That's how far out we have to look. What are the effects? I'm not going to get into the whole environment thing and the earth and all the blah. I'm not, not, you can't quantify it. It's a theory. I'm not arguing with the theory, but I'm not getting into it. I'm not going to get into one more building is going to cause the water quality to go to, straight to Dookie Duke. I'm not doing it. You can't prove it. You can't quantify it. You can extrapolate a theory out in a computer and make and punch up a number, sure. But if all those variables go a completely different direction, your formula is garbage. And so I won't do it. I won't buy into it. I'm sorry. How many trees does it take to produce oxygen? I don't know the answer. But as soon as we're shot, we, we consume a lot of paper. We consume a lot of paper. Where are all these trees coming from for paper? Maybe they don't make paper out of trees anymore. Did that change and nobody told me? It's possible. Maybe that's why we're pushing batteries. Oh, wait. That doesn't help either. We haven't even gone through a round of, of getting rid of the first EV cycle batteries. They say the cars are going to live 500,000 miles. So again, I won't buy into it. I'm sorry. I can't. But I will focus on quantifiable numbers as it relates to homelessness, as it relates to supply versus demand, as it relates to building standards and what should be a standard, what should not be a standard. And I, I, I don't know what the answer exactly is in every single aspect, but this is where we got to bring in some experts. Insurance is another big part of the conversation of affordability. Because when natural disasters occur and people make claims on their homeowner's insurance, you know the most common one is roofs. The hailstorm comes through. I need a new roof. I'm calling State Farm. Are they going to be by your side? Probably not. I'm not hating on State Farm. 
They're just very difficult with roof replacements. It better be tied to a very specific instance. From what I hear, Travelers is the one to call and have for roof replacements. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not endorsing any brand. I'm not hating on any brand. I personally have State Farm. So I'm just throwing that out for clarity. But it's true. Quantifiably, if you have to spend a bunch of money on replacements and costs and all that, then the efforts come out to increase the prices of the insurance because these insurance companies got to make money. And so every time there's a natural disaster, are we prepared for that? And for that cost that comes with? Your replacement costs on your insurance? Are you aware of what your replacement cost is for your house? If you owned and bought your house prior to 2020 and you're still relying on that replacement cost, call your insurance person now. Pick up the phone. Make sure you've got enough coverage for full replacement. Because that number prior to 2020, I can almost guarantee you, is not enough for your replacement cost today. And that will contribute, unfortunately, to the issue that is affordable housing. Because if you can't cover the cost to replace your house, then you're going to have to make some decisions. And I don't want to see that happen to you. I don't want to see that happen to anybody. I don't want to see the seller who has owned their house or the property owner. I won't even call him a seller. They don't want to sell. The property owner, that's the house is the fourth generation, and they're concerned their property tax bill is going to go so high. I got my property tax bill this year. Got my, I just got it in the mail. Substantially higher. Substantially higher than previous years. Mathematically, that didn't have to be the case. The value went up, which is good. The rate also did not correlate to that increase of value because that, that's what they're not educating you on. This is what you got to pay attention to. Everyone focuses on, well, the county evaluated my property at X dollars. doesn't matter. Irrelevant. For you, what matters is what is the rate? What is the rate your county and your individual, if you live in an incorporated district, individual town, city, what did they set their rates to? Because you multiply that rate per 100 of the value, and that's how you get your tax bill. So by my bill going up, it means the government is spending more dollars. And is that okay? I'm going to go hug a tree. Today's Real Talk, Justin Kazepis. Appreciate you hanging out with us. 844-STUDIO-4, WSICnews.com. The most local real estate you will find. You don't have to go anywhere else. We'll take care of you. Come on the ride. We'll see you next week.